I got into a habit of like starting every video with, I'm like, I don't even want to do it, but it's like, it's like, oh. Don't, don't <laughs> do, so you don't gross. have to do it. You don't have to do it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. Anyway. Hello, Grace. Hi, Anthony. Hello, it's good to see you. Hello, Kasim Great to G. See you. Kasim G. Yeah. Specifically, there's a G. Because my last name is like 17 consonants in a row, really? so I just tried to make it easy. Hello, Tyler. Hi. It's been a minute. Do you like this? After we've no, already spoken, no. you know we've what? already spoken and hugged each other, and now it's a dainty little. I I felt yeah. when Dan was like, "Are we doing this?" <laughs> Did you think I was going for a bro handshake? I don't know. Do I give up broy vibes, baby? <laughs> you don't want the answer to that. You do not. Can you believe that YouTube has been around now for multiple generations? It's spanned multiple generations. It's I think it's literally 18 years old this month. Do you think that this is a thing because we took a chance on it, or is that too much like of like a th ownership we take? I feel like that era needed to occur in the way that it did in order for things to unfold in the way they have, in order for totally agree for the Mr. Beast era. Huge videos. Well, also, literally, that you could not make that kind of content when we got started because there was no way to make money when we got started. Yeah, my first check was like $200. It seemed like money that just came out of the thin air. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my perspective on like where I should be focusing my energy changed overnight. And I was like, this thing that was happening on YouTube was way more exciting. Would you consider yourself an OG YouTuber? Like, is there a way to describe the era that you came from? I would not consider myself an OG YouTuber because I remember making videos while I was in undergrad and taking an editing class. I remember seeing like Michael Buckley and I Justine and Olga and Kasim and mm -hmm. not you guys so much. <laughs> no, hey, hey, someone needed to say it. So I feel like, yeah, it was kind of this second wave maybe. Cause I also ended up getting a job at the time making video content for another website called My Damn Channel. And I started to get kind of recognized in the community. I started to build an audience on YouTube. And then I started to meet creators and got really into collaborating with everyone. So you were one of the, the biggest YouTubers of your era. That's sweet. What? <laughs> what? You were. You were, you okay. were, you were literally a household name with anyone that watched YouTube. Okay. <laughs> That's so weird, but go on. <laughs> Shall I continue praising yeah, you or yeah. not? Are you going to stop me from praising you? I never stopped you. <laughs> what was your relationship with your fame at the time that you were probably the most uh, popular that you had ever been? Like feeling this chase that you're in, that you're really trying to like keep up with, that you will never out, you'll never be able to like outdo yourself every single time. Right, and, and that becomes get a get more views every single time. You'll never be able to, I don't know, it, it, it felt like a, a never ending chase. I mean, at some point I just kind of like stopped paying attention to the numbers and more so, I got into this habit of every year I would make a video of a hundred things that I did that year. Mm. And it was my last video of the year and it became like, oh, is this something I want to say yes to so that I can put it in my hundred things video. Uh. And then I started just like collecting things in my year thinking what will make an impressive oh, end year shit. experience. 
And so when I was doing stuff, I'm like, oh, that's going to be good footage. Right. You were not almost... because I'm like, oh, this is incredible. And I want to like live this life. It was like, oh, this is something that I think is impressive. I would say yes to things that I didn't want to do only because I thought it was the right thing that I should be doing as a creator. Mm -hmm. And so much of being a creator back then was like uncharted territory that like I didn't know what I was supposed to get up to. As I started to get to know everyone and I started to understand just like the scope of everyone's freedom creatively, mm. I and my manager at the time who was more in the traditional realm of comedy, he, it took him some time but started to realize the value of this silly internet world mm. and was able to kind of work with me to start a conversation with my damn channel about having more ownership of the content and or changing the rate of pay because at that time I could see I was doing everything like a normal creator was like literally you had access to the analytics yeah everything like I uploaded they didn't touch the channel till the end when they tried to change the password and lock me out uh -huh. I was literally operating every day like every other creator. I was just getting a paycheck in the mail. So you could see time. all this. So ads. I could see that they're making 14 grand a month or something on this channel and paying me like three grand mm -hmm. of it. And, and you're coming up with the creative concepts, you're recording, you're editing, day. you're uploading, yeah. you're managing. I had no other team. I was the full team of everything, every single day. The ironic part was that that was my damn channel was not your damn channel at all. I know, isn't that the it's universe <laughs> is a comedian? You co-founded the first MCN? The first multi-channel network? Yes, it was. eventually became the first multi-channel network, MCN, which is like a naughty word now. <laughs> the people and aren't I happy agree. with what MCNs became. I agree, they fucking suck. But, but uh, you were there on the ground floor creating this thing that eventually sold we, to we, Disney for yes. $500 million. Like, I just want to let that set yeah. in for a second. Yeah. $500 million to Disney. Right, and I got and I got 400 million of it. Can't you tell uh, this man is made of money? <laughs> we started a studio, right? It was me, people like Philip DeFranco, um, uh, Shay Carl, uh, Shane Dawson was there, Lisa Nova, um, Hi, I'm Ron, Dave Days. We all created a studio because we realized we were being bottlenecked by ha like our output. And so um, we hired directors and editors, like camera people. Uh, um, we had rented a space that had a green screen. You were the first YouTubers, as far as I know, to create an in-house production company. Yeah, and now look at you, <laughs> you're in-house. It, it, was, it was weird because it became, so the second like an investor came on board, Everything became about like, well, how do these people like, how does it grow? How does it scale? Oh my God, the amount of times we heard people say like, scale, like we gotta scale. And at the time I'm being like asked to do things. I'm signing with like big time Hollywood managers. I'm like asked to do th this movie. I'm being like way stretched out and overexposed beyond like my skill level, beyond my comfortability. I don't know, I just, just, no one had done it before. And so there wasn't a guy like that had gone through this YouTube thing years before that could sit me down and be like, this is what you gotta do, man. They're gonna try and get you to do this. They're gonna try and get you to do that. You've gotta say no. The first six years of being a YouTuber, it was not even a thought in my head that I would ever do it full time. Mm. And so when that happened, I was like, I'm gonna just ride this. And mm. I will assume it's going to end in a month. I will assume it's going to be over in a year and nobody's going to care in a year. 
And then every year it was like more and more things, more and more opportunities. And I just never wanted to say no because I always felt like, okay, it's, I'm not gonna get this opportunity again. My mental health was not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, between like depression and anxiety and especially social anxiety with like how accidentally social my life had become. I was trying to just make videos in my room yeah. and then it became <laughs> talking to strangers <laughs> like in real life like you yeah. know interviewing people or being social for hours at a meet and greet like all of those things are so not my natural true nature <laughs> i'm not trying to to talk <laughs> and hang you find yourself very introverted and oh my god yeah i would never have thought that from the way that i saw you interact with the world yeah i was at tyler oakley i was giving you the whole gig you were the persona the identity that's what it felt like you want to live up to that in person and so like yeah. at a vidcon you're like trying to maintain that and, for, for 24 hours yeah <laughs> or, and or for every these kids are waiting hours in line and you're like getting glared at by their parents and you're trying to give everyone that experience that they're hoping to have and yeah it's um a lot of pressure on yourself on myself that i put and at the same time it feels like you shouldn't even acknowledge these things because these are Gifts. Gifts. These yeah. are great problems I mean, to have, right? It was, it was aspirational to even have a meet and greet line. And so yeah. like to be stressed by the meet and greet line felt ungrateful. And, and so you want to be exactly how you think they, they want, want you, you to be. be. <laughs> <laughs> and so you start to become a parody of yourself. That's what I just kept, I'm like, this is the most unbelievable yeah. job I've ever had. This is so, I can't believe it. I've never had to work at a desk if I didn't want to. And yeah. this was like, I, there's no space to complain. Uh, this is great. I'm having a great time. Mm -hmm. I'm making people laugh. And you're making that, that exact same smile always because you know, life is great and you never have problems. And it's great <laughs> and it's great. And you can go to someone else's channel for transparency on problems. Not here, you're here mm -mm. for funny times only. Yeah, and we keep it fun and lighthearted uh -huh. always. Always, always, always. We were like the first born children of like a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. And like, we just got to sort of ride it out. And um, fame on the internet at the time was, um, we thought was different, you know, but then we would go out in the public and like, you'd get recognized and you'd be like, I don't think this is different. I think we're just, people know who we are because YouTube is becoming um, like, it's rivaling TV and, and uh, people are watching us as, just as much as they're watching their favorite primetime shows and it was weird. I developed crazy anxiety over like being recognized and I had panic attacks and I was like drinking and smoking so much weed and like the more money I had, the more um, I was starting to spin out. I like had all these little cracks and then when everything sort of like exploded overnight, those cracks became big old canyons because everything was exacerbated. People see us talk about the hardships of like what it was like to become rich and famous yeah, yeah. and it's like oh well, so i feel so bad for cast but like there are content creators now that are watching this or like making stuff and they're feeling the same way and they feel like they can't express themselves because they're considered successful or they have money people and, are like you chose to have this problem this is yeah. a this is a blessing this is a gift that you have in the world and yet 
you're burdened by this amazing opportunity that I wish I had. Yeah, I, that's valid. It's all valid. But I can only speak from my experience, which is which is this is what happened to me. And this is what happened to like many of my friends and a lot of people that we we came up with was um, no one told us how to act or like how to behave. And any sort of underlying problem was only amplified by all this. And where I'm at today and what I've learned is like my happiness and my mental health is the most important thing. What I want to be is a smaller creator that has a really great community, a small niche um, community. But what I ended up being was uh, a big creator that was very uncomfortable with the uh, attention, um, couldn't handle the output of like what it means to be like a creator at the top. Um, I couldn't feed that never ending machine, the hunger that like audiences have for more and more. I couldn't do it. It's so strange. These are a lot of things that I've never said on camera because I feel like these are feelings that I've shamed myself for having because they are such great privileges to have these kinds of problems. Yeah, but you're a human. Yeah. <laughs> so you're allowed to feel human feelings? Yes. What were the feelings that you were running away from that you actually had because it was masking something feelings of like um inadequacy like i'm afraid of i'm af essentially we're all afraid of not getting the things we want and we're afraid of losing the things we have that's ultimately we're just all driven by fear at all times yeah and every every move we make is not not everyone but like back then at least for me every move i was making was a response to a fear fear of not having financial security a fear of not being liked. Um, and there's just there was just no other way for me to operate because I didn't have the role models that I think maybe I needed to like um, teach me how to like operate. Would you say that the more success that you started to build, the unhappier that you became? Yeah, you can um, correlate to the most success I had was the unhappiest I was. I just like bought a house and I had a nice dog and I had a, a girlfriend and like, you know, it, it would seem like, oh, that guy just likes to drink at two in the afternoon. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You know, I was just kind of like a drunk guy, you know, it was, it was high all the time. A high drunk guy. A high drunk guy. And it was, uh, I just had all that available to me. And so instead of like feeling the feelings. And processing them. And, tr and having to figure out who I was, it was just a lot easier to just get high in the morning. Um, and it was easier to think about like, oh, who are we gonna hang out with today? You know, like, what are we gonna go shoot? What are we gonna go do? It's all these external things. It's like the internal world. You keep yourself exist. busy. Like I've got it, I have this project I'm working on. I've got to go this, this has a deadline. They put all this sort of work stuff in front of it um, to kind of like cover up what's underneath. Well, when you is, give yourself external goals, you don't have to worry about the internal goals. Yeah, because there are no internal. Yeah, because my internal goals aren't going to pay the bills, right? That's what we're taught. Yeah, yeah. My, inter my internal goals, which is being like a happy person and somebody that people like interacting with, doesn't pay my gas bill. But I would make the argument that it kind of does. Like it kind of happens. When you zoom out far enough, any amount of work that you put into yourself, I feel benefits you in the long run. It's just that it's hard to see. Absolutely. It's hard to zoom out. It's hard to zoom out because it can take years to, for people to see the returns on their personal investment like that. If you're watching and you're trying to get into content because you see a bunch of people living cool lives and you see, uh, you know, all the money and the cars and like the, 
It's like, honestly, that's- Don't Look them in the fucking eyes, bro. You are watching. <laughs> Here's something, if you just go by this rule, right? Yeah. Everything you see from your favorite content creators is put there by that content creator for you to see. And it's all done in a way to, to uh, promote themselves and make themselves appear a certain way. And it is so detrimental for us as viewers to watch those people and go like, whoa, he's living such a great life. I got to do whatever I can to like live that kind of life. And it's, um, it's not as good as it may seem. This episode is sponsored by PayPal Honey, the easy way to save when you're shopping on your iPhone or your computer. It's a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and it applies the best one that it finds to your cart so you no longer have to stare at that empty discount code box at checkout because if Honey finds a working coupon, a little Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online ranging from tech to popular fashion brands and even food delivery, so no matter what, you're set. Honey has personally saved me a disturbing amount of money in my online shopping escapades, like the one that I just went on last night to look for more thumb-sized rings. And Honey doesn't just work on desktops, it also works on your iPhone. You just activate it on Safari on your phone, and you can save on the go. It's completely free and installs in just a few seconds, so if you want to do yourself a solid and also support this series, get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash that's joinhoney.com slash Padilla. Oh, did I mention that Rocket Money is also sponsoring this episode? Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Like for me, for example, it turns out I'm just like most Americans who think that they're spending around $80 a month on subscriptions, but for me and most average Americans, it was actually closer to $200. Rocket Money shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels anything you don't want for you. It can even find subscriptions that you didn't know you were paying for. Like, yes, I did find out that I was being double charged for Spotify. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. That's rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. That's rocketmoney.com slash Padilla. Now let's get back into it. When I first started my own channel, it was exciting. So there was this wave of like excitement, like I'm finally free. Here we go. I'm an authentic creator now, like mm. everyone else. I'm not a weirdo, a weird imposter, like mm. narc that's coming in, working for this company. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I think that was... The beginning of like feeling burnt out on content creation, which obviously like there was so much being generated, but I didn't want to ever acknowledge that I should slow down that much, especially because those conversations in like 2012, 2013, like YouTube was starting to be in the spotlight. Like we were getting opportunities that were like unbelievable. Yeah. So how could you let in any negative thoughts about slowing down or mm. the need to rest or the need or to recognize any sort of, um, I don't know, pain going mm. on at all or struggle. And I remember in like 2018, 2019, just having such a crisis about that without having the language around the feelings I was having to figure it out or to investigate it. I remember editing videos and starting to feel like an alien editing a person that looked like me, but I didn't know who this person is. Because you didn't identify? Like, what was, was it that felt having, so foreign about? I was having, I think, this very dissociative sort of moment where I was 
unfamiliar with who I was if I wasn't this person performing for a camera. Did you ever feel like a confusion with like who you were online versus who you were offline? Oh, yes. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I go back and look at any video that I made where I wasn't doing something scripted, if, if, when I watch it, it feels like I'm not looking at myself speaking because yeah. I am being who I thought that I needed to appear as. Yeah. Because I felt like it needed to line up with this idea of who I thought I was. Yeah. And after I left Smosh, I had to completely reevaluate everything because, um, you know, first of all, when I left and I started making videos on my own, I got so many views, like a million views each. And I thought, oh, this is great. Things are gonna be pretty easy. You know, people came here for me and I'm just gonna keep being me. Yeah. Uh, then the views start to plummet and it's scary because you have millions of people now watching your views plummet. And when my identity is attached to the success of mm -hmm. this and those numbers, yep. I had this period of feeling like I was a failure. I wasn't capable. Yeah. The thing that I made in the past was the only thing that I would ever be known for. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to have to completely uproot and reevaluate every single aspect of what I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And that's scary to yeah. completely, to feel like you're completely starting from scratch. And also to, to really have to investigate, why are you doing this? You get so caught up in numbers and trying to appease audiences that you lose sight of just like why you started making it in the first place. Because mm -hmm. you're trying to keep up and stay relevant and you forget, you for, at least I forgot like what it felt like to make someone laugh for no other reason other mm -hmm. than that connection. I was unconsciously growing very attached to like, people watching and number systems. When I started to see numbers go down, it was like, oh my God, now this hyper fixation on numbers going down and not knowing what to do and having yeah. a pure panic about it versus like sitting with myself and reflecting on anything. Did you ever feel this struggle to remain relevant? Oh yeah, of course. And it was so embarrassing because you couldn't hide that you were becoming irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Everything's public, it's a public forum. And no one prepares you for the idea that like, numbers are fun when they go up, not so fun when they go down. <laughs> really? Yeah, no one really like talks you through that or walks you. Did like, you get like comments and stuff saying that kind of thing? I got, yeah, a lot of comments here and there. And then I went through this like really dark phase where I felt like some retired football player that would like get drunk and watch my old videos and be like, that's when I was my best. Remember the good old oh days. Oh my God, I can't believe I thought of that. Yeah. That was, I, so, I used to be a genius. I was so good. <laughs> I was so good. And then I would know what I was doing in doing that and then feel so embarrassed that I would do that. Mm. And it just felt like this weird spiral that you had to be like, it's just, just keep going. Just keep going. You'll find yourself. And the reality was I hadn't find myself. I'd lost myself completely. And I had to go find myself again to now I'm just still at the threshold of deciding if and how I want to make content. There's a point where you are um, so unhappy that anything is better than that current trajectory you're on, you know? And- um, Was it tempting to stay in it because- Well, it's tempting to stay in it because you want to be somebody who like people know and you want your videos to do well and you want people to come tune in. Um, but enough, if you have enough of that, 
and you still wake up feeling like shit every day, then you start to go like, well, that's not the answer for me. What is the answer? And so you, you try other things. And um, part of that was like realizing that I didn't have an answer for myself and I had to like seek outside help. You know, you were just saying yes to everything and at the height of what people would from the outside consider successful, consider relevant, consider in the public eye. And you get, you got to a point where you said, I'm going to take a step away. And I feel like coming from a place where the internet is such uncharted territory and people aren't talking about at the time how there is that constant strive to be relevant or else in some senses, in many cases, people feel like they're nothing if they're not relevant, especially if the comments start coming in and saying these types of things. You eventually had to make the choice, I'm going to step away and I don't care if I get those kinds of comments. I was at a point where I would get back to my living room and sit down to film a video and I would, I probably have so much footage of me just being like, who cares? Like me trying to say sentences and then be like, nobody cares. Nobody cares about what I'm saying. Nobody like- So like, you'll get caught up on like the way you're saying something? Caught up on the, like the fact that I'm wasting everybody's time to uh, assuming anybody would want to tune in to hear what I have to think or say. And it was like, I felt like I had already said and done everything. I had got all my thoughts were out there is what I felt like because I was a faucet that was turned on for years and years and years and years. It's like, what haven't I said yet? What haven't, like it has all been said. Like mm -hmm. I, I felt like I was creating because I was already in a habit of uh, every Friday or every Tuesday or whatever. And like thinking I just needed to continue doing that. And so I started to like really hate the process of making videos. And I would sit in front of the camera and feel like tears as I'm trying to just get through what will end up being a three minute, hey everyone, <laughs> how's everyone's life? And here's what I was up to this week. And blah, blah, blah. Is that the Tyler Oakley performer voice? Is yeah, that... yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think when people hear that, they'll, they'll be nostalgic? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> For me, it's triggering, to be honest. Really? It, yeah, when I see a video, oh my God. And it's like, it's me, I, I, got into a habit of like starting every video with I'm like I don't even want to do it but it's like it's like oh. don't, don't <laughs> it's do, so you gross. don't have to do it you don't have to do it it's like well hello everyone my name is Tyler Oakley and it's like that high pitch and like cheery millennial like, is, it, is it millennial oh well that's what the kids say now because it, it became so trendy in that time it was just YouTuber voice is don't you, don't you think? Absolutely. I like no longer even recognize that as like me anymore. Like when, when I you watch go and look it, at it, when I watch it now, yeah. it's like it is a bizarro version of me who is performing how they think YouTuber Tyler does content, and it's like um, it is. I feel gratitude to be far far away from it. For having experienced it and for having absolutely absolutely yeah i i have so much gratitude for every door it's opened and i have so much gratitude that i am through that door and all the way over there so you're telling me that people have the capability of change and growth <laughs> what Ooh. well you're not a time capsule of who I'll you try. were 15 years ago well in in some ways i am and in some ways i'm not and like i think that's really hard for people to understand that like anybody that you know 
through the internet or through culture in some capacity, like celebrity or anything like that, you don't know them at all. You don't, you, you know 1% of them, even if it seems like they are giving 100% to you via vlog every day and blah, blah, blah. You really are getting a, a, a curated version. So what is different now about the way that you present uh, yourself? I, I respect my boundaries. In terms of like knowing that some things are for me and not everything has to be content and not everything that I enjoy has to be content or monetized. And it's okay to have a day of rest and that does not mean it's a, it's a day of nothing. Would you say that your Twitch stuff is what you're most excited about moving into the future? Oh my God, yeah. I've been doing it now for two years and it's it has um, made me re-fall in love with content creating. It makes me feel all of the feelings that I felt when I was 18 as a YouTuber wanting to be a YouTuber. It is every day I'm learning about the process in the same ways I was learning about that process. And it's like, I am living this parallel experience 10 years later, hopefully with a little bit of sprinkles of knowledge from the first time of what I can do better or how I can balance better or set boundaries better. And I think that I'm like doing those things. And I feel so much more authentically myself um, <laughs> because kind of you have no choice. Like you can't really do a facade. Not that I'm like trying to, but like you can do a facade for hours and hours <laughs> with no breaks. It's like, it, um, it feels so good. And I, I end up, I, I don't know if I've ever ended a stream in a worse vibe than when I started. Mm. Even if the stream goes bad, even if like something technically goes wrong, like the experience of that stream, I usually am ending in such a better mood. What are you most excited about moving forward now that you have this perspective? Man, I am really excited to give myself permission to find the silly again because I also have a tendency to get very serious in the way that I process and reflect and think about persona and think about all these different avenues in which the, the internet world has affected my psychology for better or worse. And I have to remind myself that it's not all that serious sometimes. And so I, in the past comedy was always a healing tool for me and really allowed me as a the introverted person to feel like I had a voice and to feel like I connected with people because when you laugh with someone it is just like so bonding it's so connecting and it's so beautiful and i really started to like resent um comedy because it was associated with this whole world that was like making me feel bad and i i want to get back to loving to make people laugh again so you know your future little Cassim's running around. You don't want to I want like to be a dad. Yeah, I want to be a dad. And I, I've got a great uh, girlfriend and I um, can't wait for to like make a family with her. And so part of that is like making sure that if I do have a kid or if I have a daughter, you know, one day and she's like gets to the age where she's like, you used to be something. <laughs> what happened? You know? And then they look it up. And she looks it up. She's not going through and seeing me like, um, you know, like verbally abuse sex workers or like, you know, uh, porn stars and things like that. And, and I think some of that stuff was funny, uh, but I'm also to the point where it's like, it doesn't add anything 
by having that stuff up. Like the world isn't a better place. It's not a better place for it. It's like you get the people that really liked it. They're very, they're very into it. I get messages uh, weekly about, hey man, what, what the frick? You know, get those, put those back. Going deep. I yeah. need it. Yeah, I learned so much about porn, from me. <laughs> which is not a good. I don't want to be that guy. You I don't want to be, be the, the guy teacher? that held your hand through your first like <laughs> porn star. You know. <laughs> I'd like to just grow up like with my content like you did and be able to make content that's reflective and um of my current age which is 39 and um i don't want to be um ashamed or i don't want like a, a kid a future child of mine to look at it and be like uh i'm sorry if you were a fan of those i think that we had a, a great time making them i definitely had a great time making them but it wasn't um that's not something I think uh, part of my legacy. Uh, I like to feel like I'm still working on whatever my my legacy will be. Mm. And so I am okay with sunsetting that part of my content career because it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like, I don't feel like it represents the person I am today. Did you know you were like one of my first um, YouTube crushes? <laughs> not to be like that, I didn't but know Dan that. told you. So I was like, I can tell you. I got a meet and greet picture with you once, and I was like, oh my god. As someone that waited in line? Uh... As like a, <laughs> as a fan? No, I think it was like at a like a mixer, partner mixer. That's not a meet and greet. It was for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh I, I, I don't know. For me, it well, felt... I put that on my Facebook. Oh, I shit. was like, look who I met, y'all. Did I... I was probably trying to live up to the expectation that you had of You were so sweet and kind. Did I live up to the expectation that you had? Yeah. Of me? Yeah. Good, good. So all my stress and worry about living up to expectations you was were for wonderful. a good reason. I mean, you also were there by my side when uh, I wounded myself to the degree of having to get stitches. So you were kind of a nurturing figure in my Thank life. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, actually. You went from meet and greet to father figure real quick. Father? How old are you? 35. You could run for president. Oh shit, is it at 35? Yeah, baby. Oh, fuck. All right. Why are you standing? Yo, I got a new job. I got something else to go do right now. <laughs>